Welcome to the Confidence Mastery Unlock Your Life podcast, covering the most essential areas of personal development for ultimate success, your health, wealth, and happiness. Your host, Natalie Bailey, the Confident Entrepreneur. Natalie is a confidence coach, property developer, and bright red-haired fitness fanatic who is going to take you on a journey to confidently create a more inclusive, more successful, and fulfilled life. Get listening, take action, and unleash your inner confidence. Welcome to this week's episode of the Confidence Mastery Unlock Your Life podcast. This is my uncle, Colin Clifford. How'd you do? <laughs> um, today we are going to be talking about um, football a little bit. Yeah. We're not going to talk about last this match. Why not? I'm a fan. <laughs> I know. <laughs> so when I said to my dad, um, I was coming to you today, he said, don't mention the football. So I went to the game. Yeah. Um, you got a bit of a lesson in football, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what, though? And obviously, you always hate to admit another team's better, yeah. but I could see the quality. Yeah, they've got, they have got, Fulham's got a bit better. They've just come down to the premiership. They should have. Oh, yeah. Premiership players, yeah. so they should have. Yeah, but like, like I say, we could yeah. see. We could yeah. see it. So, um, do you want to tell people a little bit about you? So, you used to be Mill's physio. Yeah, I worked there for, I think it was 15, 16 years. Um, I started there under Bruce Riock, but I didn't have a lot to do with Bruce. And I left there under Nigel Spackman. Um, started with the youth team. Uh, Working way through, took over as the academy physios in charge of the whole of the youth set up for the, like the medical side, and then um, was working with the reserves, and then eventually something happened where the physio left, and I took over first team physio duties um, until Nigel got there for a little while, yep. and then um, left and went to Gillingham. But also worked in the southeast with lots of the non-league clubs in the southeast, youth teams in the southeast. Um, worked with the some of the England squads, the England LD squad, who uh, it's been done now, but they were the last team to win the World Cup after '66. Oh, amazing! The English team. So I've got a World Cup winners medal. <laughs> That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, so you're well connected in the football world. Well, yeah, I think a lot of people. I've been around a long while. Put it that way, you know. Um, most of the people I know now are either managers and yeah. the kids when I see them, like, they're managers now, like Alan Dunn and Stevie Reid and people like that. I, I had them coming through as 10-year-olds and 9-year-olds. Oh, wow. um, and now they're managing, I think Reedy's at Scotland and Danny's at Bromley. And so what's it like seeing people grow through the, the process? Yeah, it's, it's great. It's really nice, and it's nice even now. Like some of the boys still keep in touch, or you'll go somewhere and you'll meet them. And I'll, sometimes I'll get someone come up to me and go, Carl, how are you? And I'm like, I can only remember them as a seven year old or yeah. a 10 year old, and now they're like 36 and yeah. they've got a beard, and I don't know who they are. <laughs> and it's really rude if you have to say, Sorry, but Sorry, I'm not sure who you are. <laughs> Yeah, you just tend to ask questions like, how's your family? And yeah. How's and they go, yeah, great. And, you're, and you think, it's a hint or something. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, it is good. And, and uh, it's a shame as well because you see a lot of, so many of them fall by the wayside. And some of them you think, when you see them, you think they're great players mm-hmm. as kids. And you think, these boys are going to make it. And they don't. And it's, it's sad as well, you know. And 
sometimes the, the last days when they're getting told they're not being signed is awful, absolutely awful. Is that through them not training enough, not wanting it enough? It's, there's a lot of different things. Sometimes it's attitude, sometimes they're just not good enough. Um, sometimes the type of football they play might not suit the manager at that time. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's just you've just not got enough room to sign any more players. You might have four or five young goalkeepers already signed and you get another goalkeeper coming through, he might be good, but you've got nowhere to put him, so you have to let him go. Yeah. Um, they're the hardest ones when you know they're good enough and, you know... It's heartbreaking to say. Yeah, yeah, that is hard on them. Um, but, uh, yeah, some of them, they just haven't got the dedication. It, it, a lot of people think it's easy, but it's not. You've got to have some sort of dedication to be a pro footballer. Yeah. You know? It's a different sort of dedication. To what kind of doing. like discipline and daily routine do they need to have that winning mentality to be pro? It's, it's really hard. I mean, you've got to want to be in there. It's like everyone, you get up, you, sometimes you don't want to go work. do not matter what job you do. And football is no different. <laughs> yeah. It's a job. And there's days when they don't want to be there. And that's the days they've got to push themselves, and they're the ones that get through who can push it. And I mean, I, I don't know. Perhaps it's a bit harsh on him. Tony Craig was probably not the most skillful player at the club, mm. but his dedication was second to none. And a lot of people said Tony will never make it. Yet he's carried on going. And to me, he's, he was terrific. You, you never had to ask Tony to do anything twice, and yeah. done it. And that was the difference. Some of the ones that may have been a lot better than Tone, you had to push and push. But Tone knew he had to work, and he worked. Mm -hmm. And I, I admire Tone for that. And, uh, you know, he, he was a good servant to Millwall, and he always, he's been back two or three times after he's left. And he's one of the only ones, I would say, who really remembered when he got his testimonial, went back to all the people that were there at the beginning, said yeah. you were the ones who helped. helped me through. I want you here now, I'll get me testimonial. Oh, amazing. Yeah, a lot of them forget the people, people that help them there yeah. I think that's really important it makes a difference for you to to recognise who helped you to get to where you want to yeah, be yeah I think a lot of them do I mean a lot of them you're just the physio and things like that and um, I think a lot of them thought I was a clown because I used to mess around all the time so <laughs> you told you know, me some funny stories yeah, well, <laughs> some of them not repeatable yeah uh, but yeah <laughs> You know, I used to mess around, so sometimes people might think, oh, Cole's just a joker, he's not the physio, but I did take it seriously, mm -hmm. don't matter what anyone thinks, and I did care about the boys. Um, and I think that's, it did, with some of them, it does show that a lot of them do come, still keep in touch yeah. and bring me up, and some of them still finish now, come still get treatment off me, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember you were in um, the, what was it called, the programme once. I've been here a few times. Yeah, I, I, remember. I don't think there was anything nice said about it. <laughs> no, yeah. it was. There was um, I, can't, I can't remember who said it, what one of the players it was, but he said you were his favourite person on the squad. I don't know. It must have been someone I paid. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember that specifically because I thought, how nice. Yeah. One, because you're my uncle and like, you, know, you like to see that, but also it goes to show that there's so many different moving parts to making a football player. Well, I think the thing that was different perhaps with me, um, that I'd come through the youth team, so like with the youth team players, so I'd seen them grow up, so I'd, I was more like almost, not, I'm not going to say a member of the family, but yeah. the family knew me, the mums and dads knew me, um, so they could talk to me sometimes perhaps more than 
someone who's just come from another club who yeah. they don't know. So they they knew that there was things that I wouldn't let them get away with and I would tell on them and that. And there's other things that I used to keep to myself and, yeah. you know, that was our little secret. What made you um, pick me a wall? <laughs> um, funny enough, the place we're here now, Crawford yeah. Arrows, I run a football team here. Yeah. I run a, a youth team. And there was a physio here, an old boy called George Stevens. And uh, I went off and done the physio course, was doing the physio course. And I said to him one night, George, can I come in and learn off you? And uh, I went there for a few weeks. And um, one week we was really busy. And he said, um, I said, I'll take some of them off your hands. So at the end of the evening, I said, there's your money, George. And he went, no, you've earned that. And I said, no, yeah, I didn't come to nick your work. I've come here to learn. Yeah. And he said, well, I don't think I can teach you a lot. He said, I've got a boy, I'm not sure what's happening. Would you have a look at him? I had a look at him and it worked out that it worked well. And George was youth team physio at the time and he said, do you want to come and work at Millwall? I've got a place there. Oh, and brilliant. He took me to Millwall with a youth team and that's how it started. It's about who you know, isn't it? Exactly. <laughs> right place, right time. Yeah. I mean, if that hadn't happened, I'd still be probably training kids out here. <laughs> And you wouldn't have had um, all of those stories to, to tell me and, no, and others. No, probably not. And some of them should stay hidden. <laughs> some of the things you could do years ago in football, I think you'd be arrested for now. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's a vastly changed game, isn't it? Yeah, and I'm not sure it's always for the good. I mean, I, there was a bit of bullying that went on and some banter was bullying. But the boys were physically tougher they took it mm. they had a joke they knew it was a joke they knew it wasn't meant and it was accepted now I think anyone makes a joke they go why is he saying that why is it oh he's picking on me he's doing that I'm not making it because they're being bullies you've got to go and play in front of 10, 20 you might play in front of 50,000 yeah and if you can't take a little bit of stuff from the crowd or from people giving you a little bit of stick around the club when you do something wrong, I don't see how you're going to make it. In front of you that know, many I, people. I, I think sometimes it can get out of hand, don't get me wrong. But I think some of the lads coming through now, are, I'm not going to say they're soft, but they've they're not got the mental strength that some of the boys had years ago. Yeah. They were men mentally tougher I think that's just my opinion I might be wrong I'm not around that much now with it so I don't know yeah. but I mean you didn't get people keep bleating on about oh he said this and he said that and I oh you know everyone seems to get offended so well, much these it's, days it's, don't they offended at yeah. things and you know um, I think if you if you know what's going on you know whether someone says something to offend or as a joke or to make you laugh or whatever and if you don't there's something wrong you should you should be able to read out what way a comment is made. Mm -hmm. And everyone must go to a party with one of your family and you say something about them. And really, it's a little bit naughty or a bit nasty. But you don't take offence because you know it's a joke and it's the same in football. It is a yeah. family. Yeah. And occasionally you get someone in the family who's he's a bit nastier and you have to... That's when you deal with it. But some things are getting dealt with, I think, that are unnecessary. Unnecessary, you know, you, yeah. I think they've lost some of the laughs out of football. You don't... I don't see players smiling I mean when you used to go to Millwall when I was there it was a madhouse the noise at the place the last time I went there it was very yeah. quiet do you know what I was saying this to my mum recently um, I remember we used to hear the noise from the ground from like yes. from where, yeah. where we live obviously I'm not going to tell everyone where I live yeah. <laughs> um, but now you, you don't really hear as much no. as you used to um, no. but even being there the first game of the season I didn't go 
it, I think, I can't remember, because I, no, I went to my dad's, but it was the first home game of the season, and I was walking back, I was near Stave Hill, and I could hear it then. Yeah, it wasn't... So I wonder if that's it because it's been... It place to go. Yeah. Um, but you've got to be so careful, everything that's done, said at the ground, even at the training grounds, everything, with the people there. And Mill will get a lot of bad press. Mm-hmm. Um... I'm not going to say they're excellent because there's not. There are some people there that do some silly things and stuff like that. But there's a lot of stuff that Mill will do. It never gets printed. But people see in the paper, Mill will boo. Mm-hmm. Now, I think people have never been to Millwall in their life. They don't know what goes on. They go, oh, that's Millwall again. That's Millwall, always Millwall. Mm-hmm. They've never been to Millwall. They don't know. You know, um, I think Millwall were the first club to do kick it out. I think Millwall were the first club to start football in the community. Yep. None of that ever gets It doesn't gets get done. promoted at all, and, does it? you know, a lot of the things like the help of heroes, the Millwall people are always there for this sort of thing. It doesn't get... But they do one thing or something happens and it's all across the papers. Mm-hmm. And yes, you've got to hold your hands up sometimes and say some of the things they've done, yeah, okay, mm. went, got a bit out of hand. But it's always bad press. Um... The booing the other night, I don't want to get into all the thing, yeah. but I think about 30 clubs in the country have booed. <laughs> but the only one that's been reported is Millwall. It's Millwall. And it's a bit unfair. I, you know, I know I worked there, but I did love the club. I mean, I was never a Millwall fan, and everyone knows that. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of them, but I loved that club, and it was brilliant. I had such good times there. It was a fantastic place to work, and there's so many great people who work at that club, and... You know, you hear about some of the Man United or Liverpool's done it. They're doing that at Millwall all the time and they don't get any recognition. No. They do from the club, but not from... Not from outside. No, not How, from outside. What, what can we do to change that? I don't think you can. I think once you've got a reputation... And I, in some ways, I think a lot of people like the Millwall reputation mm-hmm. as well. And if you took that reputation away a bit, Millwall would just be another club. Yeah. Um, but I think it is like, you know... People go, oh, we're going down to play the thugs, we're going down to do this, we go and then that make they read that and then they play up to it and whatever. But there's loads of great things there. That, you know, it was it was a good time. I had a great time at Millwall. And I can't, like most of the players I know loved Millwall, loved playing at Millwall. Yeah. You know. I, I've seen yeah. that 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 yeah. evidence of that desire to want to be and like the, the, the ones that are Millwall fans that come up through the youth yeah. academy as well yeah. and like you can see the difference yeah. in those players to, to other ones yeah you can you can do you have a favourite story from your time there that you can share <laughs> uh, I don't know there's so many things we've done um, we've done a, we've done a couple um, the the worst one I ever done because I was one, they used to come to me if they needed someone wound up or things like that. <laughs> um, the boys had all been out for a, a drink up and a night out. It, they didn't have a match the next day or yeah. whatever. They, they, they went out. And they've all gone back to one of the other lads' houses, one of the Irish lads, funny enough. And, of course, some girls got there. And one of the young apprentices took a girl to one of the bedrooms and done what they do. <laughs> yep. And it happened to be, being Irish, is it, it was the Irish boy's sister's bedroom, but she was away for a while. And the boy left a packet of condoms oh, no. in the bedroom. At least and, he used a condom. Yeah, <laughs> but you know with the Irish, it's uh-huh. a bit frowned upon. Yeah. And um, the next week, 
the boy had the boy whose house it was hadn't sussed that they were there, and his mum and dad came to stay. Oh no! And so they've gone in their daughter's bedroom, and there's a packet of condoms there. <laughs> so um, they said to me, "You've got to get the boy for doing it for leaving it." So it took us a little while. We, I got I got loads of people involved in it. We found out the girl he was with, her name, everything, and. Um, on my phone, number one on my phone used to be the office number at, Mill, at Millwall yeah. in the physio room. And the boy was in getting treated, and the boy's house it was was getting treated at the same time. So I've pressed it in my pocket, my phone went off, and all I've done is mention his name and gone, you're kidding, and then shut the door. Uh, when I got up the manager, told him what we were going to do, he came down, and he's walked past the boy and went, I can't believe you, walked in. <laughs> So we called him into the room and we said, um, do you know this address? And he said, yeah, it's, it's his house. I went, oh, it's his house. I said, do you know this girl? Yeah. So he said, uh, I said, would you know, you know, was you at a party or anything, anything else? And he went, yeah. He was quite proud, but yeah, yeah. Yeah, why not? Yeah, yeah. So I said, have you known her long? He went, no, nah, not that long. So he said, I said, how old is she? she went, he went 21. I went, she's 14. Oh, no. Never seen a kid wearing <laughs> colour from the colour drained from him, and he said, "No, she's twenty-one and she's she's got a baby. I went, she's fourteen. She's at school, and the mum's been on the phone. We've got the club. We've now got to take this up and everything." So I said, "You better get out while we sort this out." <laughs> so we went straight out, and the first person who sees is the boy who's out it is who knows we're doing it. Yeah. So he went, "That girl." He went, "Well, I thought she was young. And, you know, at the time, I didn't like saying it." And we, we kept it going most of the day. And uh, in the end, he, like the, the boy whose ass it was, I said, we've got to let him off, look at him. He's like, shaking yeah. all day. He was in terrible state. And uh, he, uh, he said, no, do it for a week. I went, no, we can't. Like, we can't. So in the end, we said to him, like, you're lucky. Yeah. And he just went, is it a joke? And we went, yeah. And he ran. And anyone who knows the training ground, he ran out of the training ground. I had to jump in the van. He was so fast to catch him, and I caught him down, down and away. He got, within seconds, he got, and when I caught him, he's kissed me. He said, thank you so much, it's a lie. I couldn't believe, I thought he was going to punch me. He said, I'm so glad, he said, he's so glad. He said, oh, he's so glad. But, poor son, I felt terrible before his eyes. But that, was, that sort of thing was going on all the time. Yeah. Them sort of wind-ups. You know, you, you didn't You've believe anything. you a bit of banter in life, haven't oh, you? Oh, yeah, yeah. But now, I mean, if you did that now, could you imagine, you know, you get you crucified yeah, for you it. Yeah, you couldn't do that you know, now, not at all. Everyone thought it's hilarious. Yeah. And like Mark Burgeon at the club was a great, he was, he was Mark probably would admit, he was probably weren't one of the best footballers. He was a good footballer, he weren't one of the best. But he was great around the club. And he came in one this day, I think it was Darren Wardy. He said, Wardy, your head is so big, you've got the biggest head in the club. And he's, I think Wardy said, no, his head's big. And there's an argument, he's got the biggest head. <laughs> And we actually rigged up a thing where you laid on the floor and the scales were there and had to move their head. I can't remember a lot. But it was all stupid things. That would go on all the time. Them sort of things would go on all the time. People would say something and it would become... Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we, we had a court case. Uh, one of the boys should have been on crutches and was seen without crutches. And Danny Dickio was the judge. He had a defence lawyer. He got one of the boys to defend him. I prosecuted... There was 12 for the player. I mean, that's stupid. He's never going to be found innocent, is he? You know, the boss. But he killed himself in the end because he, 
he, we could never prove it. And then he suddenly said, when I was off the crutches, the boy who saw me couldn't have seen me there. I said, well, you just said you was off crutches. Vicky, <laughs> you're guilty. Oh, my God. And uh, he had, um, the punishment was, there was three things he could take. Um, it was either two weeks' wages, because he was serious. Yeah. Um, but he could either take, lose two weeks' wages, or he could, I think we'd done three envelopes with different things he had to do. And he picked to do the envelope, and it was he had to sit at the gate of the training ground naked and welcome every car in the morning before he could come in. And he did it. And uh, I always remember a woman going past. She was stark naked, and she came up to him and said, "What are you doing?" And he told her, and she told him off for telling lies. Yeah. And then we got a phone call, and it said like. They've heard about it at the den, you've got to get him in, quick. Oh, no. Someone's reported it to the den that someone's sitting naked outside, yeah. <laughs> Bloody but, hell. Yeah, them sort of things were going on going daily. On, yeah. You know, it, yeah it was, and it was great, it was fantastic. It, in all fairness, it was like being at school again, being stupid schoolboys all day long. That, yeah. See, that sounds fun. Like That's the kind of job yeah. you want, isn't it, where you're yeah. enjoying yourself and... Well, I mean, I got accused once of having the happiest physio room and I thought it was a praise for me. And they're going, they shouldn't be happy when they're injured. But to me, them players are missing out. They're in earlier than everyone else. They're yeah. staying later. It's almost like they feel like they're being punished. And I never felt they should feel like they were being punished. It should have been, you know, you get on with your thing, but you yeah. can have a laugh and a joke. Yeah. And I think when people are laughing and joking, they work a lot harder. Um, if you're laughing and you're like, get on with this, get on with that in here now. Yeah. The endorphins you release when you're happy, yeah. like it makes better. you want to do more, doesn't it's it? It's a lot better. I think you've got to have it happy, but I got told off. I thought that was praising me. <laughs> Yours is the happiest physio room I've ever seen. I went, oh, thanks. I mean, it's not praise. They're supposed to get, be working. I said, well, they are, but they we're are having working, a laugh. But, but surely you, you heal yeah. faster when you're happy. Yeah. Plus, you hear things. The players tell you things. You're their mate. You're the friend. You hear it. And I've had managers say, well, you've got to tell me everything you hear and I say I'll tell you what I think you need to hear yeah because you've got to be almost trusted by everyone at the club the manager's got to trust you mm -hmm. the players have got to trust you and they've got to trust you you're not going to keep going running to him and he's got to trust that you're going to tell him things that he needs to know yeah. that's going on and it's it's quite a fine line because if you say the wrong thing you lose you lose the physical you lose the, players yeah. don't trust you yeah did you ever have to convince anybody to not go back to playing before they should have done? Yeah. Um, managers, again, can be pissed. Yeah. You know, if you fit, say to him, he'll be going back in training Monday, very often they'll say, well, if he's fit for Monday, why can't he play Saturday? And what you're saying is they've got to have a week's training or whatever, but they're going, well, if he's fit, that, and, you know. And sometimes they'll go into the player, players and go, are you fit? Yeah. And he'll go, yeah. Because he don't want to upset the manager, and then he'll come to me and go, "Well, he says he's okay to play," and then mm -hmm. you've got convinced him. Like, but what I used to do is go, "Well, go on, then go out." And they go, "Hang on, you just told him. Now you're going and tell him it ain't right because you just mugged me off." <laughs> you know? um, but most of them, I mean, see, there are some players who don't, you know, I'm not going to say don't want to go back yeah. out there, but they're not in a rush. But most people want to they do, want, want play. to play. Yeah, yeah you know, they. It's, you think how, what you would be if you're professional footballers you'd want to be out there doing that job but I mean obviously you get times when people have a bad time the crowd's on their back they get a little injury and they're not that keen on going back mm -hmm. too quickly you know yeah and that's when you've got to boost them up and that's why you've got 
like you had big teams around you. You've got the manager, you've got fitness coaches now, which we didn't have so much of then. Uh, you've got all these people to build them up. You've got psychologists now to help them. And there's always the reserve team to ease them back in. You yeah, know? yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, a lot of times, you, you sometimes you'd have to convince them they weren't ready yet. Um, the worst thing was MRI scans and stuff like that. They're brilliant because they tell you everything. Yeah. But then if you say to someone, you've got a grade three tear, they go and look it up and it goes, oh, won't be back for eight weeks. Well, if that's only just a grade three, grade two, they might be back in six weeks. Uh-huh. But now he's saying, no, I'm not back for eight weeks. Uh... And then if it goes longer than eight weeks, you're shit, you can't get me back in eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it not could what be, it, no, it could be a bit complicated with that don't, as well. Don't be an internet doctor. No, that was the thing. And the internet was terrible for that. They all used to look on the internet and check what you, if you was doing what was yeah. right. Did, did yeah. anyone fake an injury to get off for Christmas? <laughs> um, it does go on. Does it go on? Um, the thing is, managers are ex-footballers, most of them. Yeah. So they know it goes on. As physios, you know it goes on. Now, sometimes the manager might know it and think, the boy's had a bit of an hard season, I'll let him pull this one. But... Um, on one of the Christmases I think I had about four or five boys out injured and we were playing away so they thought yeah they're travelling Christmas day we're playing boxing day they're off the next day and we went in we said all of you lot are travelling you're getting treatment with us while we're away you're all travelling and you're in Monday when the other boys are off and you yeah. <laughs> So it backfired, you know. Yeah. Um, if you think they're taking the pee, you can do it. I mean, I know players that used to check their points, um, their disciplinary points, and about two matches before Christmas, they would do a silly foul and get a yellow, and that would put them onto the ban, and they'd get banned at Christmas. They'd worked it out. That's and, smart. Yeah, and the same thing again. <laughs> you could make them come in anyway. But, yeah. You know, it's, it's, it was up to the manager whether he wanted to do it or not. And, you know, it, it is hard. I mean, you, you, a lot of people think about it, but when you've got perhaps a young family and Christmas Day, if we was playing away, um, you used to go in, try, uh, you had Christmas morning off to be with your family, train Christmas afternoon, and then travel down, stay away overnight and play the next day. Yeah. If you was at home you would go in in the morning, they'd let you have the afternoon off, but very often you had to stay in a hotel because managers didn't trust, trust them not players to. To, to be at home and not have a drink and be silly or go to bed early or whatever. So very often on Christmas night, we'd be staying at a hotel in London Bridge, yeah. playing at the, then the next day or whatever. Or that's like that. nuts. Yeah. So, they, so that's one of the things you have to think about if that's what you want to do you want to be a professional football the things that you sacrifice yeah and that's uh, Christmas is quite a yeah. big thing isn't it like, it is um, what I used to say say to a lot of people it's a short term sacrifice yeah. for a, really a long term game because yeah. if you make it and you do well you're made for life I mean you've got players now earning more than the people who own IBM mm-hmm. you know it's, it's crazy you know um, when you've got people now going on with £500,000 a week and things like that for playing football. It's insane, you know, isn't it? And yes, he's, he's 15 years out of his life, but Jesus Christ, what a life he's going to have. He's going to have... Provided he learns how to invest and do stuff properly with it, because a lot of them, they still play, like, 
Live hand to mouth. Yeah, I mean the sensible ones, um, they get financial advisors yeah. and things like that, and um, it's right. very sensible yeah. the way a lot of them deal with it. But there is still some that you know they've got thousand pound in their pocket one night, so they have to spend a thousand pound. They'll go out and buy the most expensive bottle of champagne yeah. and things like that. Which I suppose if you got the money, you would. But I go back again. A lot of the boys come from. You, know, you might get a lad from Deptford, from Bexley, from wherever. They're not champagne boys. Why no. do you want to suddenly become a champagne yeah, exactly. boy overnight? Why don't you just act normally? You yeah. know? Don't, don't try and be the big, big balls, you know. Yeah. We are allowed to swear on this podcast, yeah. by the way. <laughs> but, you know, you don't have to be. You don't have to show off. You, know, no. you don't have to be there and show off. Cause you, just because you can do it, you don't have to. Don't do have it. to. You know. I, um, I interviewed Simon Church um, as well. Yeah. He used to play for Reading. Yeah. And he now helps footballers with investing in property to help them realize that you know there there is another way your your career essentially is quite short yeah because you know 40 you're old yeah in in football so knowing there's a lot of them that do do stuff now there's a lot of very sensible footballers get into a lot of them get into property now which is yeah make fortunes the trouble is they don't get in to the youngsters quick enough the youngsters when i first started Every footballer wanted to be seen in Shoot magazine. Uh-huh. Did you see Sunset? He was in Shoot. Did you see him? He's made the Sun magazine. He's made the, the Sun uh, book catalogue thing, album. They wanted to be in the football magazines. Now, all they want to be in is Hello magazine. <laughs> Talk about what clothes they've got, what car they've got. You know what I mean? It's, they've become superstars, not yeah. just footballers. Yeah. And I think the football's lost out by that. And... Um, that's, and when the youngsters come in now, kids, kids used to come in because they wanted to be a footballer. I think they still do, but they want to be, a lot of them want what goes with it. Yeah. They want the gorgeous bird on their arm. They want to drive in the Porsche. They want to be able to go China Whites and everyone knows. And they want to have a big house in there. And they want all that. And they forget a little bit about what it's coming from and what you should be doing. Yeah. And... Um, I think there needs to be people in the game coming round to these youngsters and putting them straight about, you know, yeah, that is part of it, but you've got you've got to work with that. These top players have worked a long while to get that, you know, and and I think agents they they're good in some ways, but they get these youngsters and they promise them big money and things like that, and I think sometimes it goes to their head what they yeah. get promised. Um, I think there's good agents, bad agents, good coaches, bad coaches. You know, it's like anything, but. I think the agents who've come into the game have really pushed the price up of everything. From the player's point of view, they would say it's great. Yeah. But I don't think the agents look... I mean, once that player stops playing, does he look at what he can do with him? I don't know. Probably not. Probably not. You don't turn around and go, well, poor Sud's out now. Who's looking after him? Probably just release him. And yeah. then look yeah. for the next yeah. big star. Yeah. Or... And they don't care about that. You know, If you've got a boy who's been earning £1,000 a week as a 17-year-old, but we don't sign him and all of a sudden he's looking for a job and he's, I don't know, he's on the dole. I don't even know what he, they get on the dole, but he's trying to live on that. How's he going to adjust from that? He's been going out with all the boys up the West End. He still wants to do that. Mm-hmm. So he's going to look for a way to make quick money. Mm-hmm. And it's not good. It's not. It it's not can good. lead into no, like not. really bad ways, it's can't not, it? Yeah, it, it can do. So it's just, yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It is. I think, I think a lot of football's been ruined through things like VAR, 
I, I can't stand it. I can't. Like, you can't, like, Premiership football for me, trying to watch that compared to lower league football, it's all like stop, start, stop, start, checking it on VAR. You can't celebrate a goal. No. Like, the game's been lost, and then you forget actually, it's not just about the game, it's about the fans. Yeah, it's, I think as well, football has become technically very good. Yeah. Very good. But, I mean, I even, even the Euros. The amount of times now the ball goes up to the front, it comes all the way back to the keeper. And yes, they've held it for five minutes, they've made 32 passes and they've actually got nowhere. I'll go back. You wanted to get the ball in the box. You wanted to score. It wasn't about just holding the ball. It was about trying to score. And it was more exciting. Yeah. I think it was more exciting. And I think that's why some of the atmosphere has dropped at the clubs because there's not the excitement that there was, you know. And... I'm not saying like the people that used to just kick people, but when you got, I mean, everyone says like Millwall, Terry Erlock. Terry could play as well. He wasn't just a thug. You know, the way they talk about him is a thug, but he could play. But when you used to see them tackles going, and you you know he went in to win that ball, the crowd would be, yeah, you've got the crowd Getting right going. behind him, yeah. Now, you know, a tackle, oh, foul. You know, he's not even touched him when he's on the floor, yeah. you know. And I think that is, it's stop-start the game a lot, and, I think a lot, the older people might sort of recognise that a bit more. And they're the ones who probably now don't go as much. No, I know loads of people don't that don't go, go as much. As much. Go, it's not, it's exciting. No. If you've been brought up with football as it is, you'd probably say, well, you're mugs. I've watched it. It was so slow in your day. But it was more, I felt it was more exciting. Yeah. You know. And essentially, at the end of the day, it's about putting the ball in the back of the net and scoring, isn't it? Like, yeah. you know, you well, want to win. Yeah. You're there to win. Yeah, I mean, you can have a nil-nil draw that's been exciting, but it's not that often. <laughs> God, I've seen some very boring nil-nil games. I remember flying back from, um, from Mallorca when we had West Ham at home, and that was nil-nil. And I was like, well, that was a waste of money and a waste of time. And it was. I, like, yeah. I expected that, that. I expected the atmosphere, like the, the, the players. And it just, it just wasn't. When, the, the, when it was the West Ham thing, yeah. it would be built up around more from the supporters. We're playing West Ham, we're playing West Ham. And West Ham would be the same. And sometimes the match never lived up to the expectation of the fans. I mean, you wanted... I mean, if he was West Ham, you wanted Billy Bonds coming in and smashing into Herlock, and, and it didn't always happen. No. You know, it didn't always happen. You know, um, some of the games were good, but uh, yeah. Not all of them. Yeah, not, not all of them. them. It's like there seems to be a lot of ballerinas in the game now. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 the game has changed a lot. It is faster. And um, I think when they've not. If you look years ago with Georgie Best, he rode tackles. Some of them don't know how to ride a tackle anymore. They take the tackle and go down and get the free kick. And players used to, before used to ride it and try and get through and score, not try and get the free kick. And when you look, it's not always, but there's a lot of times they're almost trying to get the free kick because they've all got these free kick specialists now who can whack a ball in from 30 yards. Yeah. And, you know, um, whereas you never see like you used to with a ball in the ground and people would all be scrambling and people would be diving in it and roll over the net but it was a goal yeah, yeah. and there was eight people involved and there was about nine of them on the floor <laughs> trying to dig it out you know it, it, people go oh yeah, it was rubbish but it wasn't it was people were literally trying to get that ball over the line yeah. at all costs you know and that's, uh, that, yeah. that's what it should be yeah um, so. did, did you have a 
can you think of a favourite match that you went to? Favourite match I went to? Ooh. I know that's a really hard question it actually. Because there's, so there's so many matches. Um, probably the one that was really good was the FA Cup semi-final at Old Trafford. Um, just the atmosphere there yeah, yeah. was that was fantastic and I just felt the whole team was up for it that day I felt the whole team was up for it yeah. you know they really they really wanted to go for that and it it was tremendous you know it, but everything about it the whole day was good the weekend was good the build up around the club had been good um, I'd, I'd others, love to see that some again some of the others yeah. really just games you were at that you thought we played so well today this was great you yeah. know yeah, yeah, yeah. That was. I think that was probably one of the things because the atmosphere. Yeah, I think that makes it makes all of the difference. Having yeah. seen some of them on TV, where that you know, obviously recently there were no crowds and that. It just it sucked the soul out of it. Like the crowd is what makes well, the game. I, mean, I don't know if you went to the semi final, but you could feel the, the stadium bounce. Yeah, when when the fans were going that day, and you know, it was very different at Cardiff. Yeah, that was heartbreaking. I, 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 <laughs> I think we personally I think we got it wrong on the day that day yeah um, we tried we had to put out a lot of young players um, because of injuries to Dickio Muscat um, I think Andy Roberts was missing um, all of the older players were missing and we've had to bring in like Marvin Elliott had been playing but he, he had to play it right back Peter Sweeney come in these were all young lads that was a big thing for them to have to play and you're playing Man United at the time who were probably one of the best yeah. in the country and I think we went out to not lose by too many and try and keep the score down which didn't happen I think, <laughs> no I think if we'd actually almost gone to war which is a Millwall phrase it's like we, we're going to go to war today yeah they had, I think they had a European game later. They wouldn't have wanted to get too involved. Um, and it could have gone the other way. We could have been beaten 14-0. But <laughs> it might have actually upset them a bit. But I yeah. think it would have got the crowd going more. Uh, and once that crowd gets going, it, it can make a big difference on the pitch as well, you know, when, that, when there's noise on there. And instead, uh, you know, it just... I've just felt we got a bit rolled over, to be perfectly honest, that day. It was a shame. Um, it was a shame. It was a great day for everyone. Whoever thought Millwall would get to a cup. I know, right? Um, it's that phrase, more chance of Millwall winning the cup. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, so I've got a couple of um, yeah, quick fires. Yeah, Where do you keep ketchup? Fridge or cupboard? Fridge. I don't. Josie does. My wife. She puts <laughs> ketchup in the... Now, we never did till we just moved. Now she started putting ketchup in the fridge. I don't know why, why that suddenly started. <laughs> it's changed. Started. My brown sauce don't go in the fridge. My brown sauce stays in the cupboard, but ketchup stays in the fridge. Don't ask me why. And I've started putting it back there, so it's become a habit now. Oh, no. Yeah. See, for me, I just think cupboard because you're putting it on hot food. I don't want a cold sauce on hot food. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know why... It, I'm going to ask her. Yeah, I don't know why it Is a Jaffa cake a biscuit? <laughs> I've got to say no, because it says cake, right? 
<laughs> we've had this is arguments that go on all the time. People will keep asking out of parties. It, it gets quite violent in the end, isn't it? Quite, quite emotional about it. Um, to me, it's a cake. It's a cake. Yeah. Would you rather have a Snickers or a Mars bar? I'm not a great chocolate boy, but when I do, um, I eat anything. Um, probably, <laughs> probably a Mars bar. I mean, I don't know if they still do it, but I used to love topics. They do still topics. do them. I like I topics. I haven't had a topic for years. I used to love topics. And uh, lion bars. Was oh, yeah. Lion Part bars. of the reason I like them is because yeah. of Millwall. Yeah. Tea or coffee? Oh, tea all the time. I've, I've started coffee in a little bit. I think as yeah. I got older, my taste buds have changed a bit. But no, and when I worked at Millwall, I, I, I would have 20 to 30 cups of tea a day. The girl behind the counter used to make me a cup of tea about every half hour. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. The rain behind the counter. She, I just, just look at you. I've done your cup of tea. I've done your tea. She'd bring them, even bring them through. Really? Amazing. All day long. Uh, and when I went for a job interview, one of the questions, they, they try and be clever, you know, what's your weak point, you know? Yep. You so you can't, can you? So I said, tea. <laughs> and I said, I've never heard an answer like that. I said, well, I like about 20 cuts a day, mate. And he went, I've never heard so crazy in all my life. Your bad point is tea. So, that's, that's a brilliant answer, actually. Yeah. It's... it's, it's um, Intuitive, you know, you know yourself well. <laughs> um, what was your favorite Millwall player? Uh, I, I know got, that might be hard. I've got so many. I mean, there's, there's some who are my mates, yeah, and still keep in touch, and I still keep in touch with them. I mean, I've got to say, if you're gonna pick someone who was probably the best of the lot, was Timmy Cahill. Um, Timmy was. It was great when he, he came back he, as well. He was a good player. He was Millwall through and through. Yeah. Um, and I, I always say, like, we was in a pub one night in Bexley, like down there where I live, and Timmy rung up and said, are you in the pub? And we said, yeah. And he said, like, is it all right if I just pop down and have a couple of drinks with you? So um, he come down and the pub, the second he walked in, like, wanted a mob. And he was so great with everyone. Yeah. There was no big headiness with it. He spoke to everyone. He talked to everyone. He sat and had a drink with you. He was just one of the boys. Yeah. You know, he was never, I'm Timmy Cale, you know. And, and I've got to say, even when he was injured, I mean, it's one of the quickest recoveries from an ACL. Even the, um, the consultant... Norm, he's saying normally they can't go back this quick, but yeah. I can't hold him back any longer. Because, uh, I mean, you know, Jerry and the people who were here as well, the other physios and that that were working with him, worked really hard with him. Mm -hmm. But Timmy worked hard and, and got back really quick, you know. He, but he was a good player, and an incredible leap he had on him. He, he could really jump. I mean, I think he would pop kangaroos. <laughs> um, <laughs> Brilliant. And, you know, I, I like to think of him not... Although they are players and that, I still think of them as mates. I mean, yeah. I, I went round and did some work at Timmy's house once and things like that, you'd help out and, you know, and his his wife worked at a travel company and he was talking about, she worked at um, a cruise company. Right. And uh, I said, I've always wanted to do a cruise. He said, well, yeah, 
And I, they done me the most fantastic deal. And he was gutted because he couldn't get certain things off that he wanted to get off. But he got me an extra week in the States and a car thrown in. Oh, I didn't nice. pay for it. And like that, you know, they were like mates lovely, more than yeah. players, you know. And uh, it, it sounds silly. I mean, it was a, it's, it's sort of probably now coming up 30 years since I first started at Millwall. But I still remember them boys. I remember things they'd done for me, you know, and things when they've helped out and stuff like that. And I, you know, they were all great kids. And I've still got photos and I can go through and I used to be able to name, I don't know, I'm getting a bit senile now, but I used to be able to name all the kids in the photos from oh, wow. the time and all that. Yeah. And they were, I mean, a lot of them, you knew the dads, the mums, you knew the family. And people don't think of Millwall as a family club, but it was. I think it was quite we a family are. club. It is, I it think is. it was very much a family club. Uh, one little story, when I left and went to Gillingham. Yeah. Um, that upset I came, me. I came back, <laughs> I came back and we played Millwall. Yeah. And before I'd left, the, the players had got into eating wine gums. It was a big thing, wine gums at right. half time. There was this thing that gives you energy quick. So we had bags and bags of wine gums. So I used to have bags of them in my bag to run on. I'm not silly. I get all the kids around the dugout on my side. I used to throw them wine gums um, and give them some bits and pieces. Yeah. And when I went back, a load of them come down and had bought me bags of wine oh, gums. And I was really pleased. I thought, I'm really liked at this club. You yeah. know, they, they remember me and all that. And then one of the Gingham players got injured and we had to take him off. And it just went wrong from there, really. Um, he got substituted while he was off, and he's gone, no, that started the crowd off, mm-hmm. straight away, the Millwall mob having a game. So he said, we've got to walk right, 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 right the other side. So he said, what? What do I do? <laughs> so I said, look, they're all right. I said, well, if someone shouts something at you, make out it's the best joke you've ever heard. And laugh. Right? <laughs> someone shouted something, you couldn't even hear what it was. He went, ha, ha, you fucking you fucking <laughs> So he's like almost run across the pitch. So I've carried on walking, and there's a little kid in the crowd, and he went to me, mate, mate. And I'm thinking, right, the kids have been really nice all round by the dugout. Yeah. I thought he must be one of the, from the academy. So I went, all right. He went, I've looked up, and there's another little kid. He's only about five or six. I went, all right, mate. He went, fuck off, man. <laughs> So you didn't give him any wine gums no. then? <laughs> Jesus Christ. The player went, you're popular here, aren't you? <laughs> oh, that's incredible. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Oh, I think that's a great, a great story to end on. <laughs> um, if you could give people one tip to live a confident life, what would it be? Um, I think if you've got a dream, follow it. Go for it. And if you fail... Fail because there was some reason you like you had to don't fail because you you didn't put the effort in. Put the effort in and really go for it. I think you get there. That's what we used to say to the players. I say to my kids, if it's something you want to do, do it. Yeah, do it. And that way, no. When hopefully when I go up and knock at the door upstairs, they'll say, "What did you do?" I say, "I had a bloody good life. I enjoyed myself. I did what I wanted to do." And I think if you can say that, you've had a good life. I'd agree with that. Yeah. Absolutely. So thank you very much. Thank you. I hope you've enjoyed yeah. this conversation yeah, as much as I have. I'll do it again. There's awesome. always other stuff. <laughs> Definitely. So there's thank some, there's some 
more unprintable stories, we have to do it out on X Factors. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do a secret one that we won't publish out everywhere. <laughs> So thank you very much for your time. Um, thank, you. thank you for watching the video. Thank you. thank you for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with people you think it will help. And stay tuned. And subscribe for weekly episodes. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and YouTube by searching for Natalie Arabella Bailey. And join the Better Together for confidence and mindset Facebook community to improve your confidence, network, and life.